In his book, Are You Fascinated?, management consultant Ken Tucker shares a story um, about a, um, a hospital CEO by the name of Bill Adams. He's a CEO of a hospital in Virginia. And one day he got a call from a young lady who was absolutely frantic. And uh, she had told him the story that her mother had just passed away from a few-day battle um, with cancer there in his hospital. It had been a long journey um, of her battling cancer, and she had just passed away. And, and her dad and her brother and her had met um, up at the um, funeral home to make arrangements for the funeral. And as they were talking about all of that, her, her, her dad just was really brokenhearted because as, as they were discussing the arrangements, he, he, he just said, you know, I, I just really wish she had her wedding ring. She said, Dad, what do you mean? She said, well, it was, it's gone. And um, something happened at the hospital, and, and, I, and it's not there now. And she said, you know, it, and she told um, Bill, it would just mean a whole lot to us as a family if you could just do something. You know, I know you can't work a miracle, but, but can, you, can you just check around and see if anybody has seen it? And so he said, I'll do everything I can. And he hung up the phone and, and he called down to the floor and set the nurses and, and the, um, how, I forget what they're called, the, the cleaning people loose around that floor and around the orderlies, yeah, thank you, around that room. And, and they, 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 they searched it top to bottom. I mean, they, every nook, every cranny, Everywhere they looked inside that room, in the bathrooms, in the shower, just everywhere, and they couldn't find it. And so, so Bill, um, he was pretty bummed when he had to call the young lady back and just say, "Ma'am, I, we've we've sent our people everywhere looking for this crazy ring and or, or this ring, and we just can't find it. We just we don't know what to do. I'm really sorry." And um, he hung up the phone, and he said, a couple hours later, um, he just had this feeling that he just couldn't let it go. And so he just, he said, I, I just have to give it one more shot. And so he went down to the laundry room. Now picture this. The CEO of a major, huge hospital in Virginia, down in the laundry room, and he said he literally put on gloves and he found the laundry from that, the big laundry bin from that floor of the hospital, and he crawled inside of it. Now, I can, I mean, I don't even like to touch the dirty laundry in my own house. Now, I can't imagine what hospital beds and sheets and pillows look like and all the junk and all the stuff. And he said, he said, I, he said, I just, I, I just dove right in and I just started pulling things away and throwing them on the floor. And he said, you will not believe it. But in the very bottom of that laundry bin, I found the ring. And so he called her back and he said, ma'am, I need you. I need you to come up to the hospital. I have some good news for you. And of course she came. And he said as he handed her that ring, she just lost it. I mean, of course. I mean, who wouldn't, right? After all of that. And, 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 and he's, as Ken was telling this story, he just said the most important, the most important man in the whole hospital climbed into the dirty laundry to help somebody in need. As I heard that story this week, I thought, man, I wonder how that moment endeared him to that family. 
You know, at, at one point they were probably thinking this hospital, somebody stole it, There's a, they're terrible, he's not really trying. But when he presented them that ring, and he himself climbed into that laundry, just think, I mean, they probably named their next son after him. I mean, this is the guy who was willing to go all the way to take care of our family. As I heard that story, I thought... Isn't that what God did for us? I mean, if you think about it, isn't that what God did for us in sending His Son Jesus? I mean, He went, the most powerful being, the most powerful person, man in the universe, leaving heaven and coming to earth and crawling into our dirty laundry to help and heal and love us. I mean, the scripture says, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, he didn't wait until we were all cleaned up, acting perfect, and had all our stuff pulled together. I mean, when we were at our worst, he did the most amazing thing for us. And here's my question. How should that endear us to him? When we realize what he did and what he sacrificed and what he gave for us, how should that make us feel towards him? For someone who gave everything for us, what are we holding back from him? What are we holding back from him? There's a passage, we're in this this series called Choices. We're talking about how God gave us all the ability to choose and the choices that we make have a significant influence on our destiny and our life. And, and what I want to talk about this today is about this choice that Jesus gives a man. And, and, and he's asking himself, we're asking him, what are you, what are you going to hold back from me? Now, some of you are probably, if you grew up in the church, are really familiar with this story. So if you can grab your notes or you can follow along on the screen, um, this is what it says. This is Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 22. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt, ah, I love this. Are you ready? Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There's still one thing you haven't done. He told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. What are you holding back from God? When I was reading the story and putting this message together, God kind of slapped me in the face. He tends to do that from, to preachers from time to time when we're planning, planning sermons. 
And I thought this thought, when I realize all that God has done for me, there are still places in my life that I'm holding back from Him. There are places in my life that I haven't quite gone all in. And here's the deal, is is I really want to. And I know I really need to. So the question is, are you all in? Or are you holding something back? Well, what are some things that we have a tendency to hold back? That's a great question for those of you that asked it. Because that's what we're going to talk about today. Are you ready? Here's the first one. So what are you holding back? Don't hold back putting your faith in God. Don't hold back putting your faith in God. Here's a hilarious story. This is um, the Prince of Montenegro and Macedonia. His name is Stefan Cernetic. I think that's how you say his last name, C-E-R-N-E-T-I-C. He was a popular figure around Europe for many years. He would crash parties, you know, as royalty and, and, uh, and just be able to, to wine and dine with the finest in all of Europe. Um, he met with famous people, tennis stars. Um, I think there's a picture of him in the Vatican, you know, meeting with some high officials in the Vatican. And, and, uh, and he was just, he, he, I mean, he was a prince. And so he kind of got to the elite of the elite of the elite. This next picture, some of you might notice, this is Pamela Anderson. Um, Pamela Anderson made a large donation to an orphanage in Macedonia. And in this picture, um, Prince Stefan is actually um, not really, what is it called? Blessing her as a countess of Macedonia. I mean, he, he gave out, he gave out awards and documents and blessed people and made them countesses and knights. But here's the thing. Are you ready? It was all a lie. He wasn't a prince of Macedonia and Montenegro. It was just a lie. It was just a ruse that he came up with and he had enough pizzazz about him that he was able to convince people that he was this prince when he actually wasn't. He actually got caught a couple years into this stint because he was at a villa in France and usually whenever he would go to one of these high, you know, uh, places to stay, somebody would invite them as his guest and they would take care of everything. But in this instance, no one picked up the bill. And so the owners of the villa sent Montenegro a bill, a very, very large bill on behalf of Prince Stefan because he stayed there. And they said, we have no Prince Stefan. As a matter of fact, we don't have any princes at all. And I can promise you, if we did, we would not be sharing him with the country of Macedonia. He would be our prince. And so the villa alerted authorities and they came and actually arrested Prince Stefan for intimidating or or imitating royalty. I thought of this. You can act like royalty all you want. But if you aren't of royal blood, you're not royalty. This guy asked Jesus, What do you do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him this question. He said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. It's as if he was looking at this man. He was saying, you know, you see me as a good teacher, but you have to understand I'm not just a good teacher. I am God. 
There's something special about me. And then Jesus goes on and he says, and he, and he points out six of the Ten Commandments. You saw me counting, right? He pointed out six of the Ten Commandments and the guy says, well, I've been doing all of those. And Jesus says, well, you're almost there. You're almost there. Here's my thought. Christians, they're supposed to be good people, right? If you're a Christian and you're not a good man or a good woman, then there's something misconnected that we need to work on, right? But just because you're a good person, it doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't make you a Christian. There's only one thing that does, and that's being born again through the person of Jesus. It's recognizing Jesus as God in the flesh and that he was sent to earth for us to ransom us, to make us right with God. And you can be as good as you want to be, but until the royal blood of Jesus flows through you through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not there. Romans chapter 3, verse 20 and 22, it says this, it says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Now say the last few words with me. No matter who we are. No matter who we are. Listen, I'm glad you're here today. I'm so glad. But church, or being good, it doesn't make you right with God. Answering the question, who is Jesus? And what does he mean to me? Answering that question is the only thing that can make us right with him. If you're a good person, maybe even fairly religious, don't hold back your faith one more second. Don't hold back your faith one more second. Here's a second thought. Are you ready? Don't hold back your heart from God. Don't hold back your heart. Someone asked Jesus once, what's the greatest commandment? We use this passage quite often in our last series called Us. And Jesus replies, the most important commandment is this. Are you ready? Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And in, and in Matthew, he says, and the second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. It's as Jesus is saying, if you give Jesus your heart, if you give Jesus all of your love, everything else will take care of itself. When you focus on loving God with all your, all the other stuff, takes care of itself. See, the problem with this rich young ruler, this man, is that all of his stuff had his heart. And God just says, I don't want a peace. I need it all. God wants us to love him first and best. When you think of God, my hope is, is that you think of him as having this unconditional, amazing amount of love for you. And he wants you to love him in return. See, that kind of love, I just put this, these three little thoughts in your notes. That kind of love requires commitment. 
<laughs> a lot of us, a lot of us want to date God, but we're not quite sure if we want to marry him. You know? We want to date him. We want him close. We want the benefits. We want, you know, the time, the 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 the, the affection. We want all that stuff. But but we're not quite sure if we want to go all in, put the ring on the finger, baby. We want to keep God on the side, but we're not ready to quite say, I do. And can I just tell you this morning, that doesn't work. It doesn't. God doesn't want to be a side thing in your life. He wants to be first. And God is inviting us into a relationship. A close one, not casual, but committed. Amen? It's a kind of love that requires sacrifice. Married couples in the room, you know, when you got married, in the old days they used to say, and all my earthly possessions, you know, they're yours, that type of idea in our, 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 um, in our vows. How many of you have ever discovered that marriage requires sacrifice? Anybody in here figure that out? Yeah, it does. It's the saying, what's mine is yours and yours is not yours. It's mine. It's, that, it's what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. We're in this together. Each person is a part of it. There is sacrifice. You have to put the other person first. If I'm putting my wife first and she's putting me first, that is true sacrifice. That is what marriage is supposed to be. It's sacrifice. It's a kind of love that requires priority. Look, God doesn't want to be just a part of your life. And I understand that, that if, 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 that for all of us here, of course he's a part of it or we wouldn't be here, right? We wouldn't be here if he wasn't a part of our life. But the question is, is does he have first place in your life? I was talking to a young person recently about, about Jesus and what they thought about Jesus. And they went on to tell me that, you know, they're, they're just ready to take that next step in their faith because they really want to make good decisions in their life and, and they really want to stay close to him and, and they want to be a better person and, and, and they just really see Jesus as that person that can make them better. And I just said, honey, Jesus is not interested in being your mentor or your life coach. He wants to be your savior. Now, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus when he is your savior. He does all those things too, but he just doesn't want to stop there. He wants all of your heart. He wants everything of you. Jim Dennison is a pastor in Texas, and when he was in college, he went to a missions trip in Malaysia. And um, on Sunday, they went to this small church just to participate in the service. And he said, you know, he said, I was just really amazed at this small church and the passion that they had and the way they worshipped and the way they sat on the edge of their seats and uh, d- during the message. It's like they were just drinking in, you know, everything the pastor had to say. And he said, I was really, the, my fascination level really got cranked up at the end of the service because as the pastor was wrapping up his message, a young lady approached him, which would be kind of cool, uh, by the way, and, and she just said, Pastor, can we just pause for a second? I, I want to I be a follower of Jesus. And he said, everybody in the congregation just kind of sat on the edge of their seats as they watched and listened 
to this pastor talk about who Jesus was and what he had done for this young teenage girl. And as she said, yes, I want to be a follower of his, no matter the cost. And he led, him, led her in this prayer. And she said, can I get baptized? And they said, well, yeah. And so they found this large tub and people just started bringing buckets of water and they filled it there. And the I mean, think of the bucket brigade that they took to fill this baptismal in front. Right there, at the end of this service, they baptized her as a follower of Jesus. And he said, it was, it was amazing how spontaneous. I mean, just getting caught up in the spirit, all of that was. It says, after... The service was over and people started mingling out. He looked over to the side of the room and there on the, along the wall were some bags, a couple kind of grocery sacks and a few small suitcases. And he asked the pastor, he says, what's that about? He says, well, the young lady today who gave her, Lord, her life to Jesus, um, that's her, that's all of her belongings. When she left this morning, she told her father she was going to church because she was ready to be a follower of Jesus. And he said, if you make this commitment, don't come home. Now, I don't know what religion he was, but obviously Christianity was not okay for him. And she came to church and she gave her. And now she has to find a new place to live. The pastor, Jim, just said, he said, it hit me like a ton of bricks. He says, it wasn't spontaneous at all. When that girl left that morning to become a follower of Jesus, she knew it was going to cost her everything. And she went anyways. Is there anything in your heart that you're holding back from God? He wants it all. He wants it all. Can, can I give you a third idea? Don't hold back letting God work in you. Okay, we're at church. We're supposed to be honest at church, right? How many of you, when you became a Christian, when you became a follower of Jesus, how many of you are willing to admit that you knew that there was still some work that God had to do in you? I, for those of you that aren't raising your hands, we will start pointing those things out to you in this moment because it's just part of the package. We know, we realize that we're not finished products, that God is working in us. I I had somebody describe it to me once like this, and, and I completely agree. He says, inviting Jesus into your life is like inviting Jesus into your home. Like picture yourself as a large mansion. And Jesus, he comes in and we want him to come into the living room and to, and to just stay as long as he wants and to feel comfortable. Jesus starts going around from door to door just checking on things. And he opens up a door and he says, what's in here? Well, Jesus, that's the bedroom. I want that too. Okay, Jesus. Until Jesus takes over. And then he opens up a closet and he says, hey, what's in this closet? No, 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 Jesus, that's the closet. (laughs) We don't talk about what's in the closet. And he says, no, 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 I, I want what's in the closet also. And he goes from place to place in our lives asking us to invite him in so he can do the work that only he can do. We like to hide things. God says, what are you hiding? Is there outlooks or 
attitudes or habits or relationships. And he says, I want to change it all. I want every bit of it. Let me work in you. When we invite Jesus in, he just doesn't stop. He keeps going until we take our last breath. Will you give that to me? Is the question he asks over and over and over again. John chapter 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And listen to what he says. Are you ready? He says, I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. Now read this next part with me. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Like, come on, God. Thanks. I really appreciate that. I mean, I'm producing fruit. And he says, I know you are. But there's still some pruning to do. You know what pruning is, right? It's the shears. It's the clippers. And I would suggest that pruning probably doesn't feel that great. He says, no, 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 no. I need to cut a few things away. Why? Why does he do it? Just to make us more miserable? Well, what does the scripture say? So that we will what? Produce more fruit. He says, I love you. And I want you to have it all that I have to give you. But we have some pruning to do. He loves us. It's funny. It's funny to me how we try to hide things from God or pretend that we're good with God when we know we're not. How many of you seen this cute video? Can you hit play on this cute Hey, Jack. Did, did you eat a cupcake? No. You didn't eat a cupcake? No, I wasn't at home. You sure you didn't eat a cupcake? No. Hmm. I thought you maybe had a cupcake. No. No? No. Definitely not? No. Not like in the last couple minutes? No. No cupcake for Jack? No. Oh, okay. Anybody relate to that? I have a place I want to work in your life. No, I'm okay, God. No, no, God, it's all right. I mean, everything's fine. God, no, no, no. God just says, no, 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 no. It's written all over your face, buddy. It's all over your face. You can't hide anything from me. Let's get to work. Can I give you one last thought? Don't hold back one more minute from God. Mark chapter 10 in the story, verse 22. It says, this is really interesting. It says, at this, the man's face fell. And he went away sad. For he had many possessions. Now the question I have is, why was he sad? Why was he sad? I mean, it was his choice. Jesus just gave him a choice. I mean, he he should have just been a little bit relieved, right? He could do whatever he wanted. Jesus didn't force anything on him. And he did do what he wanted. He walked away. He said, I'd rather just keep what I have. Right? So why was he sad? He got to keep it all. It's all his. Why was he sad? It's because he knew in his heart what he ought to do. He knew in his heart that he needed Jesus. He knew in his heart that he wanted to be a disciple, a follower of his, that he wanted to be touched by the Messiah. 
He knew in his heart what the right choice was. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't. He refused. I wonder how many times along this man's journey from that day forward, he looked back and he thought, I wish I would have done something different. I wish I would have followed Jesus. I wish I would have listened. I wish I would have obeyed. I wish I would have took that step then when I was talking to Jesus face to face. Put this statement in your notes. Jesus loves you, but he will let you walk away. He will. God gives us choice. He gave us freedom. And he will knock on the door and he will pour his love into your life, but he will not force himself upon you. He gives us the ability to choose to follow him or not. He's not going to make you do what he wants you to do. He gives you an invitation. And you get to make the choice if you want to follow that invitation. It's a pretty neat story on Facebook. His name is Dale Hodson. Back in 2005, he had had a stroke. This is a picture of Dale and his wife. Um, he had a series of strokes. And the second stroke um, left Dale um, with very little use of his right side of his body. He couldn't walk on his own. And, and, um, and his health began to decline pretty rapidly. Um, di- he, had, he was diabetic and, and he had a bad heart and it was just complication after complication after complication. His sons had an opportunity, excuse me, to spend a lot of, a lot of time, um, with their dad over the last six months. And their dad, um, he owned a, a trucking business, I, I think, like dump trucks and, um, in Leesburg, Ohio. And he inherited it from his father. And as Mike and, Mike and Ike, that was the two brothers, by the way, as they were talking about their dad and uh, their dad's life, um, they, were, they were just thinking about all the times that they had seen their dad in church. I mean, they were a, a Christian family. went to church all the time. But they had never really seen God working in their dad's life, which disturbed them as their dad's health began to decline. And so in boldness, they just started talking about very, very spiritual things with their dad and saying things like dad if if god was to take you home are you a follower of jesus do you know that you would go to heaven do you know do you truly know that you are saved that you have a right relationship with him and those questions began to rumble in dale's life and dale's heart and one weekend mike was out of town with his kids and he got a, a call from Ike saying, hey, you need to come home now. I said, okay, what's going on? Dad has made a decision to become a follower of Jesus. And he wants to be baptized tomorrow. And Mike said, I got to go. So he packed up his family and he headed home to the nursing home. And now they got a problem that they have a dad that wants to be baptized and he can't walk. And so they told the hospice people what was going on. They said, we got all of this. And here's some pictures. There's actually a really cool video online where they blew up an inflatable pool out into the parkway. And they said it was lightly raining. And all the nurses gathered around. And, and Ike 
got to baptize his 85-year-old dad there in a hospice pool. I thought about that. I thought about this guy. This guy, Dale. I mean, he, he walked near Jesus for a very long time. But he finally walked with Jesus at the age of 85. He almost waited a little bit too late. I don't want that to be any of us. I don't want that to be us. To walk near Jesus, to approach him a few times in our lives and to ask some really good questions, just to, just to walk away like the, the rich young ruler did. I don't want us to say, oh God, today. I wonder if Dale ever thought about, man, what took me so long? What, if, what, what, what could his life had been like? if he would have made that decision years before. What? What if? I don't know an answer to that. Only God does. But I'm so glad he made the choice when he did. It's never too late. It's never too late. What are you holding back from God? What is it in your life that, that you haven't quite gone all in? Maybe it's putting your faith. Maybe you've, you've come to church and you've made some steps and you've, you know, you're, you're asking God to clean up a few areas of your life, but you haven't really put your faith in Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Then don't wait one more minute. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe you've been dating God. And God's like, no, 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 no. It's time to put a ring on the finger. It's time to get committed. It's time to go all in. What is it? 